Hello and welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich. I believe that conversation, of course, is an art, but it's also a gift when people come together and share stories, ideas, feelings, and more. Today, we're going to be sharing with Mary Dixie Carter. She's a terrific writer who's appeared in Time, The Economist, The San Francisco Chronicle, and many other publications. Her first novel is what we're going to be focusing on. It's called The Photographer, and it is a doozy of a book, a psychological mind game, and I can't wait to talk to Mary about it. Now, if the name sounds a little familiar, Mary Dixie Carter, well, it should. She's the daughter of the late Dixie Carter, and her stepdad was the iconic American actor, Hal Holbrook. I'm thrilled to welcome the lady who has one of the hot novels of the summer as we invite Mary Dixie Carter to join us on mic. Well, first of all, congratulations. It's a great book, and it's now being heralded as a great book by some pretty good sources. We were just talking about People Magazine. What did People Magazine say, Mary? People Magazine called it one of the summer must-reads and calls it a daring psychological thriller. I can't, I don't think I'll be able to say word for word, but it was very, very complimentary. The words must and read together, when a novelist sees that, it's it's golden. That's beautiful. It doesn't get any better than that, right? That's terrific. Congratulations. Well, let's, let's take a look at the photographer. It's got so many twists and turns, and I want to ask you about it without obviously giving anything away. The overall plot involves a, a woman with a rather intriguing name who is a photographer. Well, first of all, her name is? Delta Dawn. What's that flower you have on? Yes, exactly. People with names like that uh, are automatically singled out. They're, you know people are going to ask about the name. Is, was that intentional on your part to name your main character that way? It was. I There were a couple of things that played into her having the name Delta Dawn. One is the song Delta Dawn, which felt resonant in certain ways, um, not directly, but indirectly. And the other is... Um, as you may have noticed, I have an unusual name, Mary Dixie Carter, and it's very Southern. And I live in, you know, I've lived in New York and in Los Angeles and um, haven't, I haven't actually lived in the South, though I spent time there. So there's a way that my name is a little unusual and um, people notice it. And I wanted the same kind of thing for Delta. So with Delta, there's a lot of different things that make her not belong in Brooklyn, um, and that's just one of them. <laughs> She's um, in a field that I'm very familiar with. Is I have very number a great number of friends who are photographers, and I work professionally, you know, with a lot of people who are in that field. And uh, it's kind of interesting, you know. Most of them try to stay in the background. That's their job to observe and be that third eye. Uh, it's a fascinating personality study in the book of what a photographer does, but in general, it's a it's it's not usually the main character isn't the photographer. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did you have a well, go ahead? Go ahead. Um, so for this woman, the being a photographer is a perfect kind of metaphor for who she is and how she operates, which is like she's removed from the action. And there's a camera separating her from the scene. And she wants to be part of the scene. She wants to belong in the scene. Mm. Um, she wants to be a participant, but she doesn't feel that she is. She feels that she's an outsider. And the camera is sort of reinforcing that. 
It reminded me, as I was reading through it, of that Robin Williams movie of several years ago where he was developing film and was sort of eavesdropping, or not eavesdropping, but uh, peeking through into the lives of families. She's actually ingratiating herself because she's hired to shoot birthday parties and intimate you know, family get-togethers, isn't she? Yeah, she is. So I actually got the idea because I hired a photographer to take pictures of my two children. And um, the pictures, and they're now 10 and 8, but this was, it was a few years ago. And the pictures came back and they were really beautiful. But the children's eyes were cobalt blue and they're not in real life. And I said to the photographer, I'd like for my children's eyes to be their real color. And she said, there is no real color. And I was really interested in that psychology and what everything else that might go with it. If that, if that person and that point of view were just allowed to run wild, like how far it could go. You answered the question that I had, uh, what was the inspiration? And it's fascinating that a novelist and you craft this big scoping novel can get that from one incident like that. That's, that's always interesting, how the mind works and how you can develop an entire story, an entire life around that incident. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, there were probably other things percolating in my brain, and that was like the match that kind that, of, that set it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned changing the eye color, and a big part of the story involves this woman, Delta Dawn, becoming a, almost part of the family and then manipulating things photogenically with uh, Photoshop. And you must have done some research on what you can actually do. I don't know anything about Photoshop, but what it is. Tell me a little bit about that, your exploration into that. So um, I was writing, the, for a while I was just writing the novel, and then maybe halfway through I took a uh, photography class it was limited, so it, I'm not a good photographer as a result, but I wanted that like confidence in discussing even some of the basic concepts and also just the vocabulary. And then I also took a very limited Photoshop class, again, to give me a couple of concepts and then, then some vocabulary. But what I would do is I don't want to do any spoilers, but if there was something that I wanted to change, that I wanted Delta to change in a photo, then I would ha then I would think about what the end result was that I wanted, and I would just have her, and I would go online and research like what would be the way I could achieve this, and I would, you know, read various different online forums about how to get this end result. And those results uh, are almost sci-fi in nature, right? I mean, we're seeing images of actors' faces on other actors' bodies. I mean, and that's just the right. tip of the iceberg. So, And she's a very skilled uh, artisan, let's say that yeah. at the outset. She's very good at what she does. Very good at what she does. She's very talented and skilled, and she's very smart, too. So for all of her issues, she's very sharp. Well, without, again, spilling the beans, what is the main issue with this woman, would you say? I mean, what is there a psychological term for the kind of character you know, she is? I did a little bit of research, like, 
on the subject of what her main issue might be. But I ended up not really wanting to put her in a box because I was more interested in how everyone is a little bit like her and including myself, like the, the feeling of being an outsider and wanting to belong to something and feeling like there's something blocking you from being a participant. So some of, and, and even the obsessive kind of fixation that she has on this family and wanting to be part of it and thinking they're the most amazing thing in the world. I was interested in how we are all a tiny bit similar to her more than I was interested in what her diagnosis might be. Well, it's it's so interesting. The Straub family, the family that she becomes very attached to and they to her, they're like all of us. There there are layers. You peel away the onion skin and you see what's underneath the veneer. And it's not all that the publicity stills are telling us about these people. And that's that's real life. Um, let's talk about the family because it, it's a two-way street. You've got Delta Dawn. <laughs> What's that flower? You've got Delta Dawn as the as the main protagonist, but then you've got this family that she has to work with, and in the story works great. Uh, talk a little bit about this family unit: husband, wife, and one daughter. Right. Well, so as I was writing, it became pretty clear to me that I did not want it to be. Uh, I. I wanted the Straubs to play their own role in their, in whatever happens to them. I didn't want it to be that they were victims of Delta and Delta was the bad guy in any sort of clear way. I don't think there is a bad guy. And I, my hope would be that people understand Delta at least a little bit and connect to her. And, and also Amelia and Fritz have so many things that, you know, they're, they're very arrogant. They're kind of entitled. They um, are not great parents. And so there is an opening for Delta to kind of come in and be the person who confides with their daughter and who is there for her daughter. And, um, and so Amelia and Fritz look beautiful and glossy and shiny, but there's, a lot of unpleasantness underneath that surface. Mm. No, and, and it's so carefully drawn by you because at times we fear people, at times we respect them, at times we feel for them. So it keeps the reader off balance, which is more fun, <laughs> quite frankly. Good. Yeah, no, I, 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 I won't uh, spoil it again. I keep saying that, but uh, the ending left me kind of happy as a matter of fact and I'm, I'm sure some people some people might find it uh, totally distressing but uh, there was something some cosmic justice that I felt and it might just be me I don't know I don't know but that's isn't that the goal of a, of a novelist you want us to have have fun along the way and think and feel yeah I I think that is the goal um, I wanted uh, I wanted exactly what you're saying which is I didn't want any, I wanted the reader to be off balance in terms of like, who are they rooting for and who, you know, where their loyalties lie and what's right and what's not right and who's behaving really badly in and who's not. Um, I think Natalie, the little girl, is the one who clearly has done nothing wrong and she's innocent and she is a victim, though I, I wouldn't want 
I didn't want her to behave like a victim, but by virtue of being a child, she is. So I hope the reader cares for her. We do, and we also feel we'd want her on our team. She's very smart. Kids are often more aware than we give them credit for. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I have a, I have two kids, a 10-year-old girl and an 8-year-old boy, and they're very, very sharp. And you can't pull the wool over their eyes, not for a second. So I, I did think that about this 11-year-old girl is she's – there's an innocence, but she also knows exactly what's going on more, much more so than her parents do. She's clear on, she sees through Delta early on. She kind of gets Delta, not to say that she doesn't like Delta, she does, but she understands much more about the, these dynamics than her parents actually do. Yes, very much so. And there is the the temptation that I think any one of us would have if we're in a an estate like the one the Straubs have with all the trappings. You know, you're sitting there babysitting a young child and the child's asleep. Uh, you walk into the kitchen and you, know, you get a little curious, pull open a drawer or two. How many of us have not thought about that? She takes it to a whole new extreme, of course. It's, it's very relatable is what I say. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted her, like, she doesn't have a sensor. She, well, she does know how to act. And when she's in the room with people and having a conversation, she's sort of perfected that. But when no one else is around, she doesn't edit her deepest, darkest impulse. It just goes. That's what I, I wanted to see her out of her. Those are fascinating people. And we all know somebody like that, uh, they put on a great front and then you get to know them a little better and you realize, ooh, there's some stuff bubbling under the surface. But that's what makes a character like Delta interesting. I mean, to me anyway. I'm so, I'm glad you think so. So, well, Delta is lying to herself. I mean, she's very sharp and all, but she is throughout, she's lying to herself. But so are Amelia and Fritz. They're all, and that's one of the things I was interested in exploring is like everyone, someone who lies to themselves and then is able to convince themselves of the new reality and completely believes the new reality so that if you, you can't have an argument about it because they've convinced themselves that the lie is the truth. You have an extensive uh, background experience in writing, publishing and so forth. Uh, a structural question, if if I may. Uh, I've it, talked with thousands of authors, literally, and all kinds. And when I talk to novelists, I'm always curious as to the process. And in something like this, which is so finely threaded in terms of psychology, if somebody says something in Chapter 3, it might reflect something that happens in Chapter 8 because it is so subtle. Is it more challenging to do that than it would be to write sort of an adventure, thriller, yarn where good guys, bad guys? Just tell me the process. Well, yeah. my process for this book is that I did not plot it out. I just like let myself get into the head of Delta Dawn and see where she would go and follow her voice. I really didn't decide what was gonna happen um, and once I was like maybe three quarters of the way through, then I looked at it and saw, well, there's possible ways this could end up going. 
But for the most part, I followed Delta's voice. And for this particular book, I think it was the right thing for me to do because I, that was what I was mostly interested in. I was mostly interested in her psychology. And you're also uh, an actor. You've done some acting and theater, obviously. And does that make it easier for you to write a book like this, thinking how it would act out if you were to act it out? It, I think so. I think that in my acting background helps me as a novelist because I approach the both things very similarly, like getting into the body of this character mm. as a way of getting into her brain and as a way of figuring out what she's going to do next. And so like the way I would find a character as an actor on stage, the same way that I would find this voice of Delta and to the extent that when I was writing, I would even be like, like hold my hand the way that I think Delta might and to, to figure out her attitude. And I would do some the same thing with the other characters as well, but it was much more, you know, it was happening constantly, obviously with Delta because she's the first person narrator. So it's a breath of life into a character, bringing that character to life on a screen or a stage. It's similar to bringing that character to life on a page, isn't it? I, I personally think so. And I'm sure a lot of writers who do not have any acting background do the same thing, in, but they might just describe it differently. But I'm sure a lot of writers are getting into that, um, the body and the brain of the character. I have, because I've been a stage actor, I have experience in actually walking around in the body of the character and that um, is a little bit different than some other writers, perhaps. You know, Mary, if this were turned into, and it very well might be already in consideration for a film or a miniseries, I would vote miniseries because it takes time to really see this kind of thing develop. In a novel, you can do that. It's subtle little things on, on certain ends of chapters where somebody says something and she reacts. I don't know, just if I were producing it for HBO, I'd say, let's make it five or six parts. <laughs> it is being developed into a TV series. You're right. Oh, well, I, um, we didn't yes, plan that. It, it is being developed as we speak, but I, um, I'm not permitted to that's say under, that's okay just know that working on it just know that i like the idea of a series too so i'm you Good, know whoever perfect. not that they would ever listen to me but i think it's a great great arc for a series all right you mentioned your name can't let this interview go by without me fawning over your name and your lineage okay so <laughs> let's talk about your your mom and your stepdad if we may uh mary yes. talk about your mom first of all everybody knows her um, so my mother passed away 11 years ago, but she, uh, Dixie Carter is mm. my mother, amazing actress and performer, and she was on the television series Designing Women, and um, she was an incredible person and an incredible mother, and um, Hal Holbrook, my stepfather, passed away mm. just a few months ago um, towards the beginning of 2021. And that has been really hard this year. Also, you know, Hal Holbrook, a lot of people know Mark Twain tonight, um, which he toured for over 60 years around the country. And, and many have seen him in films and television. And I saw him as Mark Twain once in Boston. Yeah. 
That was a thrill. It was just a thrill. He he was a remarkable presence on screen, on stage. And uh, I, I've got to say, I, I've never told anybody this. I think he's probably the best actor to portray Abraham Lincoln in a miniseries that he did. They actually used makeup that really matched the Lincoln we know from the $5 bill, but Hal Holbrook researched the voice and the voice patterns. It was so brilliantly done. I mean, everything he did was egg material. I I agree. Everything he yeah. did was, he, he was a, an incredible actor. Um, he was in a league of his own. And um, you know what? I know a lot of People miss him a great deal, including me. Of, of course. course, of course. Um, I my my condolences on both your mom and your stepdad. I mean, there's a really wonderful, creative uh, mentors though for you. Even if they didn't even mean to do it, they they can't help but rub off. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I think that's absolutely right. I think just well, I saw. Uh, Hal Holbrook's Mark Twain Tonight more than 30 times mm. in my life. Um, and I went around to various different countries when he was touring with him. And so Mark Twain's words, for one thing, are like really etched in my brain. I practically know the show by heart. Um, and and beyond that, just the sensibility and and being in the midst of it many years, yeah. I think it does, you know, play a role in some mysterious way. And uh, there is another connection that, well, although it's very faint that you and I have, you went to Harvard, I'm told. Yes. I didn't. I'd live near Harvard. That's all I can say. <laughs> my <laughs> wife is a Harvard grad, uh, business school grad, so I'll I'll take that uh, to, to my time. Wait, who is a business school grad? My, my wife, my wife. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, a, I'm just a radio guy. I went to a typical four-year college. But uh, Harvard, uh, that you majored in what, English? Is that what English I read? English Lit, English and American Lit, yes. Well, the, the degree paid off because here we are talking about the big novel of the summer. How cool is that? <laughs> you're, you're talking to a fellow uh, Bostonian, almost Canterburyan, near the line. Yeah. So is it likely or is it a possibility that there could be a sequel to this? I am writing another novel, but it is not a sequel to this. Um, So I don't think there's a sequel. If there is, it's down the line some other time. But um, but the book that I'm writing next is not a sequel, no. Well, I uh, said at the beginning, I, I really enjoyed it. I read a lot for the work I do, but also for fun and pleasure. I found this to be intriguing. I can say this, uh, people don't have to worry about murder and mayhem and bodies being cut up and all that kind of stuff. It's a different kind of thriller. So just let the, the world know, which I think is why you're getting such raves, because this is a book that any adult will enjoy reading, male or female, I think. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm so pleased that you really loved it. Yeah, no, seri- no serial killers, so my wife can read it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, you're you're delightful. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us for the photographer, the new novel, which will be a big read on beaches and people are going back to the beaches, which is really cool. Woo! It's exciting. Thank you, Mary. It was a delight to meet you. Thank you, Jordan. Take care. Mary Dixie Carter with her first novel, a terrific beach read. You'll love it this summer. It's called The Photographer. Thanks, as always, to the people behind the podcast, Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, Ken Carberry at Shark Productions in Boston, 
And a special thanks as always to you, so many of you, for subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Really appreciate those five-star reviews. So many great topics and guests coming up. I know you'll find it interesting and inspiring. Till next time, this is Jordan saying, as always, be well so you can do good.